Welcome to the Post Mo Podcast, a support guide to those leaving Mormonism. This is Audrey, your host. Hello, 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 everyone. Okay, first off, if you're here, thank you. Taking the time to listen to this has already made my day. It's so scary starting something new, especially when it has to do with like the biggest identity crisis you've ever had in your life. But I've just talked to so many people who are in the same boat as me or were in the same boat as me and needed something like this. And I think I'm brave enough to do it and wanted to help somebody out if they were going through the same thing. So I want to make one thing clear, like right out of the gate, right out of the gate, people. I am not here to talk about Joseph Smith. I am not here to talk about church history. Don't even get me started on polygamy, okay? (laughs) Like this is not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about learning how to live life while you're transitioning. You've already made the decision You can look at amazing other podcasts, amazing other websites that like go into things like church history. Okay, that's not what we're going to do here. Although, you know, we might get into religious trauma later on in different episodes. We might get into the things that hurt us and why we felt betrayed or why we're having a hard time trusting ourselves. Just... That's not going to be the focus. This is really a how-to guide of how to dress without garments, how to trust yourself again, how to figure out what you're going to teach your kids, how to navigate a mixed-faith marriage, how to budget without tithing, how to live life without these policies that you've been taught to obey your whole life. And maybe you struggle with scrupulous is how you say it where it's like you need to live like every letter of the law or else you're a bad mormon maybe you have been able to dress how you want all your life but you're just curious about other people's experiences maybe you're not even mormon and you're just like why the hell did audrey leave the church if she was so mo or maybe you are still mormon and you know that i love and respect you And you're listening to this anyway because you just want to know more about my experience. And if so, thanks for being here. Thank you all for being here. Before we get into the nitty gritty, I thought I'd use this episode to explain why I started this lovely podcast. Is it therapeutic for me? Yes, it is. Is that the only reason why I'm doing it? Yeah, honestly, probably yes. But if other people benefit from it, then win-win situation. I was born into the church, born into the covenant, you know. My mom and my dad were married in the Las Vegas temple, I think. I can't remember. Love both of them. I want to make that very clear. Mom, dad, if you're listening, I love you guys so much. You know that. (laughs) We're besties. Both of my parents are very, very different from each other. And... Like, am I glad that they got married so that me and my siblings exist? Yes. Should they have ever gotten married? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) 
but they did and so here we are but my dad was a convert to the church and my mom was born into the covenant i don't know why i'm saying it like that am i weird i'm weird she's like a mormon mormon she had like the pioneer ancestors okay that came over in the 1800s migrated to utah because they believed in this church so i also want to be clear that i actually still have like mad respect for those people i am not here to like hate on the pioneers what i have done what they did absolutely not zero percent that i would be willing to do that if you would have asked me five years ago i would have been like yes i would totally do that if that's what the lord wanted now that i know that it's my life and my choices absolutely not zero percent but this is something these guys really believed in it's something that they were a hundred percent committed to that is so beautiful to me. That is so cool, okay? So, again, not here to bash on the pioneers. But that's to give you some context of where my mom came from, okay? And my dad joined the church when he was 16 because a girl that he really liked was in the church and wanted him to join. Mm, dad, uh, if I'm wrong, you can, like, message me and I'll correct it in an audio, Okay. <laughs> Maybe my parents will never listen to this. I don't know. But big difference between the two. Okay. And they had four kids. I'm the second. And I was pretty much a good Mormon girl my whole childhood. We had family home evening every Monday. We read scriptures together every night. Every night. We even had those like little picture books that like depicted the Book of Mormon in different pictures and Nephi's like super ripped and buff and the Lamanites are like scrawny and ugly. Anyway, <laughs> so I loved my life, honestly. I mean, I didn't know anything different, but I went to church. I would go up and share my testimony as like one of those five-year-olds and everyone would be like, oh my gosh, she's so amazing. She knows it's true. And like looking back on that I'm like um hello brainwashing but I mean it's fine I get it you don't know until you know you know okay so then drama my parents divorced I mean you could you could probably see that coming with how I was talking about them at the beginning of this podcast but um yeah I was eight years old and um this is like a public podcast but I think this is pretty well known between all social circles of my parents. So I feel comfortable saying this. And again, mom, dad, DM me if I'm wrong. But <laughs> my dad um, cheated on my mom. Okay, 20 years later, we're good. Wow, 20 years. Wow. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So... That was hard. Having my dad leave the church was hard. I learned how to read at like three. So by the time I was eight, I had read the Book of Mormon like twice. And therefore, I knew it was true. You know what I mean? And I told my dad, who's like 36 at the time, you know, that I knew more than him because I had read the Book of Mormon. And if he was leaving, he did not know that the Book of Mormon was true. And like looking back at it, my dad had a lot of patience 
he also did not have a lot of patience, if I'm being completely honest. But in that aspect, he was never like, Audrey, you're batshit crazy at eight years old for believing that you know more than me about this religion. He just like let it happen because he also knew it was important to my mom. After they divorced, it was kind of like my dad was the wicked one and my mom was the righteous one. And if anybody thought differently, they were bad. This is complicated, right? This is complicated because it's also divorce. It's also emotions. It's also like cheating. Like it was a big deal. And I totally understand like that my mom was very hurt. She had every right to be hurt. She had every right to hate my dad. She had every right to be like, yeah, you're a loser. You know, sorry, dad, you were a loser. Could have just communicated instead of cheating. But there we go. You're in therapy now, so it's fine. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're going to kill me. Anyway, um, yeah, so I had bishops tell me that I would be responsible for bringing my dad back into the church. And that was heavy for me because I was eight. And I would carry that with me for 20 more years. 19, I guess, because I left last year. But I got it in blessings. I got it in like interviews. I got it in everything. Like you have the power of bringing your dad back into the church. And I just really believed it. And to be honest, that's what kept me in the church later on in my life when I wanted to leave or when I found some like discrepancies or whatever that word is. I really just felt this like deep responsibility to bring somebody that I loved with all of my heart back into something that I knew was true. And I'm like using quotation marks and you guys can't see because I'm on, not on camera. We'll get more into that later, you know, because I'm sure that added to my scrupulosity I was like oh I have to be perfect I have to be the example at eight years old for this old guy who doesn't know what he's doing and is sinning and in the grasp of Satan you know <laughs> yikes okay let's fast forward moved to Washington my mom remarried took us to a farm no joke dude was a farmer dude is a farmer shout out to my stepdad hi Jim if you're listening to this and it was it was fine. Like I said, like I liked my life. Looking back, I don't know if I like my life. But like at the time, it was fine. And I had a lot of friends. And I was doing my best to share the gospel and invite people to mutual activities. And I was a little rebellious, you know, and did some things and confessed to the bishop. I was like Molly Mormon. I was just not in the sense that I was afraid to do anything because there are those kind of Molly Mormons, you know, and if you might have been one of those and now you're transitioning out of it and kudos to you. But I was like one of the Molly Mormons that like knew they were cool, you know, but they were also super Mormon. Is it the same? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm a freak. 
Okay, so I had a blog. I like posted all about religion. I posted all about how pornography was super evil. I posted about the Book of Mormon. I posted about Jesus. I was just so sure it was true. I was so sure it was true. So like I hear all the time, oh, you must have not really believed because you left. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No, you guys, I was like number one fan of the church. I was like, go hard groupie for the church. Okay. I was the church. (laughs) You guys know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know me. You don't get to say that I did not believe. I believe this with all of my heart. And that is what made it such a painful and awful transition. Like now I'm good. Now I'm happy. Now I'm looking back at the girl that I was a year ago trying to leave it. And I just want to help anybody who is leaving the church. Anybody who is like trying to figure out how to live life in this new way. Okay? So don't tell me I didn't believe. I did believe. And that's what made it so painful. Um... I went to BYU. I bet you could have guessed that. Went to BYU Provo, the real BYU. (laughs) I know you know. And that was a shocker for me on multiple levels. I think the biggest shocker was like I was saying, I thought I was pretty Mormon. I had a blog. I led like team prayer before basketball. I thought I was it. Like I was one of God's chosen. And then I got to BYU and I don't know if you can describe it unless you've gotten to BYU. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, you probably don't if you didn't go to BYU. Like, let's, let's give you a couple examples. Okay. When I say next level Mormon, I mean I'm in the library. I'm 18 years old and this 20, like five year old guy who's been sitting next to me while we were studying don't know him from Adam is like hey I got revelation I should marry you like no you didn't bud like that's not real that doesn't exist okay so leave me alone (laughs) and then there's people okay this one I'm a little bit nervous about sharing because maybe you're not gonna listen to this ever So if you are listening to this and you recognize this as yourself, just know that I love you, okay? I love you and also I think you should chill with it, okay? (laughs) And I think you have actually. If I'm being honest, I think you have chilled since we had this experience. But there was a certain person who was a guy and it was Sunday and he heard somebody else I will not name names in this story. Listen to the sound of music soundtrack on Sunday. And he paused it and turned it off and was like, I don't think that's appropriate. We're supposed to only listen to church music on Sunday. (laughs) I was like, what? Like, literally, like, who the hell are you? What is going on? What did I get myself into at BYU? Anyway, there was just like a different kind of level of Mormon. And once I saw that different level of Mormon, I was like, oh my gosh, they are not like living the true gospel of Jesus Christ. As in like, 
I totally knew what that was. And I had the, um, oh, what's that word? Like I had the copyrights to it. This is so horrible. Like looking back and like recognizing this in yourself. But I really thought like I was the one living it the exact right way. And everybody else that lived it a slightly different than me was wrong. And obviously that's wrong. I recognize it now. But at the time, it was just so easy to believe because that's what I had been conditioned to believe my whole life, you know, and not by any fault of the people who taught me like they were also conditioned like it's a generational thing. I'm not here to like blame my mom. I'm not here to blame my young women's leaders. Some of them, maybe not all of them. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna edit that out. So when I realized that like people believe something differently than me and and I thought they were wrong, for the very first time, something in the back of my head was like, well, that means you could be wrong too. And I remember that. I don't like remember exactly where I was, but I remember that feeling of being like, I could be wrong. And just, how do I explain it? I, I ignored it. I think I just didn't want to think about it. It was so small and insignificant compared to my other thoughts of like what I was doing for the greater good of God and his plan of salvation that I just didn't really pay attention to it. And then I went on a mission. I was so pumped to go on a mission and I got called to Mexico, you know, and like Mexico. I got to speak Spanish. There needs to be a whole nother episode on this podcast where I break down processing your mission experience post-Mormon because there are some parts that I'm just so incredibly grateful for. Like, I learned Spanish. I am so privileged to know a language that so many speak And a language that has changed my life, my friendships, my understanding of culture. It changed my college education. It changed everything. It shaped my life. So I'm extremely grateful for it. I had the best food in the world. I had the most loving people that I love with all of my heart still to this day. But, like, the part I didn't like was the religious part, you know? And and like I said, we're going to have a whole nother podcast episode on that itself. But I did just want to bring up one experience that I had. And that one experience was with my mission president. Because it really created, like, a crack in my testimony. The mission was super hard for me. I think it was really hard because I am a perfectionist and so trying to like reach the highest numbers that I could reach and trying to make sure that I was doing exactly the Lord's will. So if you're already feeling that way and you go on a mission, it gets like a thousand times worse, a thousand times worse. It's awful. And that creates like some real psychological trauma. I'm not a social worker. I'm not a therapist. I'm not an anybody. So I'm not here to like give anyone advice. And maybe I'll bring on a therapist when we do talk about the mission because it's just such like a mental game. But I had like the biggest anxiety attack of my life. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what an anxiety attack was. And I was on my mission. It was about five months in and I cried so hard. I couldn't see. I couldn't see out of my eyes. They were closed, puffed up so much. 
And my companion, bless her heart, was like, we got to get you some help. So she called the mission president's wife. She told us to come to a different zone where they were having a zone conference. We took a taxi there. Again, LOL. I can't see anything. (laughs) This taxi driver was probably like, who the hell are these girls? Anyway, we get dropped off. They finish their zone conference. Mission president sees me. He's pissed. Pissed, people. He's really mad. And I was, like, surprised. I was like, oh, I thought you'd be happy to see me. You know, what little I can see. Because by this point, the puffing in my eyes had started to, like, (laughs) not be as bad. He sits me down in a classroom. And he looks me dead face. And he's like, what's going on? And I'm just like, well, I don't know. I broke. I cried a lot. This is hard. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. And he was like, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I know, I know why you're feeling this way. And unless you understand, like, I was taught that the the men in the church knew everything. The guys that were leading our church, that were leading my mission, the men were in tune with God, saw Jesus, not necessarily my mission president, but like were getting consistent and constant revelation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So this is where my mindset is. And so he's telling me like, I know, I know what's going on with you. I'm this innocent little 19, 20 year old, like just hungry for validation and knowledge and comfort. And the dude says to me, you're feeling this way, hermana, because you haven't done enough to serve the Lord. You're not trying hard enough. And you're not serving his people in the way that he wants you to serve them. And I just, I was shook. I was like, I looked at him. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Honestly, because like, no, it's actually not. But thanks. It was the first time at 20 years old that I had a disconnect between what I knew to be true and what a church leader was telling me to be true. I knew I had worked my ass off. I knew it was not because I did not try hard enough. I knew there was something deeper going on inside of me. And yet I had this guy who was supposedly talking for the Lord telling me it was because I wasn't enough. And it was the first time. I don't know how to emphasize that anymore. It was the first time that I thought for myself. And the ironic part is if you would have asked me at 20, if you would have asked me all those years before, if I was thinking for myself, I would have said yes. And I'm not saying, I want to be clear, I'm not saying that I was thinking for myself because the answer was different. That was just how I was able to recognize that I was thinking for myself 
because there was a disconnect and I was able to recognize the voice that was mine apart from the voice that was talking to me. Sometimes when I look back in my life, now I can recognize the voice. Now I can recognize the girl whose true feelings did align with what the church was teaching. You know, like I am all for helping people. I am like, I'm in nonprofit for a living. I love helping people. I love serving other people. It's my jam. I'm not in this world to make money. So, you know, the when they were like, go serve a mission. Like I wanted to serve a mission. It wasn't, there was no disconnect of me not wanting to serve. It was my choice to serve a mission. Okay. I just want to make that clear that I'm not saying you'll know your true voice when it speaks differently from anything that the Mormon church would teach you. But it was monumental for me. It was monumental for me and it changed the rest of my life. Coming home from a mission, like why do we not have a post MTC? And I really struggled. I thought about leaving the church because I just like felt so much guilt, so much shame and I needed it to stop. If I wasn't attending the temple every week, sometimes twice a week, if I wasn't doing my family history on Sundays, if I wasn't, if I was being lazy, I was not serving the Lord. I mean, that is what you're conditioned for 18 months to two years. If you're not doing something for the Lord, you're not doing it right. If you're not going to bed right at 1030, if you're, it's at 1030, if you're not doing like the mission really drills this into you and then all of a sudden you're like dropped off. Go wherever you want, do whatever you want, be whoever you want. And it's just like, what? And the guilt that psychologically and naturally comes because you were living one way in such a strict manner and then you're not held to those same standards is just like painful. It's hard. Ironically, it's a lot like leaving the church, which is why I'm creating this podcast in the first place. But... I didn't leave the church and again it's kind of what I talked about earlier that I was just like really convinced that I was going to bring my dad back into the church. Dad I apologize for all of the letters that I sent you. (laughs) Oh my gosh it's like embarrassing now. Um, Didn't work. Newsflash to anybody who's (laughs) listening to this. I did not get my dad back into the church unfortunately and left myself. But I'm glad. I'm glad that I stayed in it because so many great things happened to me in those next couple years. I met some of my best friends, like some of my most deep and loyal friends. And I met my husband, who is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And those things like wouldn't have happened if I would have not been a part of the church and so I'm grateful I'm grateful that I chose to stay because lots of great things happened would just have amazing things happened to me if I had left at that point in my life probably probably yeah I think my life would have been good but because I know the things that happened to me now I'm like not mad about it you know what I mean I have a great husband I have amazing friends. I have 
a really great relationship with my parents and I don't know if that would have been the same when I left because I was so hurt and so scared. Instead, I left at a time where I was ready, my parents were aware of my decision and um, it was just a lot easier. Let's talk about my husband for a second. I told you, he's he's the best thing ever. His name's Jimmy. He, oh, if you know Jimmy, you love him. He's like a nerd, hun. Love you. I know you're listening to this because I'm going to make you listen to this. I love you so much. He is funny. He's smart. He's easy to be around. He's just the best person ever. And one of the biggest gifts that Jimmy gave to me was the ability to think critically. When we first met, I was very much a people person. I was very much a believer of things because people I loved and trusted told me to believe them or taught me them. That's something I didn't notice. And I would have never acknowledged it at the time, but it's true. So when we started dating, he taught me how to not just repeat what's been said to you or believe it because someone you love has taught you to believe it, but because you personally, as an adult, because we met when I was 22, that's not very much of an adult, but it's <laughs> it's more of an adult than eight. <laughs> Am I right? You got to think about why or whether you personally believe it. And then make a decision on whether to believe it or not. Now, he taught me this politically. We're not going to go there here. But I would later apply this critical thinking four-ish years later as I considered leaving the church. Jimmy and I were married in the temple. Unpopular opinion. I liked the temple. I thought it was cool. Well, cool is a strong word. I thought it was peaceful. I enjoyed a lot of my time in the temple I didn't think it was creepy, maybe a little bit underwhelming, but I, for the most part, enjoyed my experiences in the temple. I did not enjoy the pressure that I felt to be there as often as I was there, but I did like enjoy the peace that I felt while in the temple. And ironically, that's one of the, like the parts that I miss the most, um, is just like kind of just being able to leave the outside world for a bit and go into a place where nobody really talks and it's quiet and you get to like think and meditate and I I, I don't know. I, I kind of miss that part. But that might be an unpopular opinion and that's okay too. Yeah, we got married in the temple and then had a baby because that's what Mormon <laughs> teachings condition you to do. I'm not saying like that's the only reason why we had a kid, but I'm just saying now that I have a kid, would I have had a kid right away? No, absolutely not. Zero nilch, not a nope, nerp. Motherhood was glorified to me my entire life. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? A mom. A young woman's, what can we do to be a good wife? Let's make a list of things. Being a mom is the best. Motherhood is next to priesthood. Blah, 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 blah. Can you tell how mad that makes me? nobody prepares you for motherhood maybe that's another unpopular opinion if you're out there and you're a mom and you're like this is the best shit that's ever happened to me good for you i do not share your sentiments do i love my son hundred percent a thousand percent i would die for him 
I live for him. He's my everything. When he says, go, mama, go, I am more inspired than if all of you paid me a million dollars, okay? Maybe it's because it was glorified to me my whole life, and I was like, this shit is hard. This is not fun. Nobody told me that this was going to be really, really hard. I don't know. It's not my thing. I love my son. Motherhood is not my sole purpose in this life. And Jimmy and I fought constantly. Let's be clear. Dude was born February 2020. World shut down two weeks later. Okay? It was awful. It was weird timing. Jimmy and I were stuck with each other. And Jimmy and I, again, besties. Okay? He means everything to me. But did we almost get divorced? Yes, we did. Did he ask me for divorce? Yes, he did. Did he actually file? No. Think. Russ Nelson. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm hilarious. Um, it was hard. Life was hard. And it was at this time where like, I'm like, my marriage is crumbling. Why not everything else in my life? I don't know. I don't know. It just like broke where I was like, no, I'm not this ideal Molly Mormon that loves motherhood and wants to spend the rest of her life popping out babies and bringing about celestial glory to others. Like, that's not my jam. And speaking of Russ, he had given a talk that was like, are you willing to sacrifice everything for the Lord, right? So this old missionary couple, they're in their home on Zoom, can't leave the home, so they're just trying to Zoom everybody in our stake. They're Zooming us. They're talking to us about the talk. Sweet couple. Hope they're doing well. And they just say to us at the end of their lesson, so are you willing to sacrifice everything for the Lord? And I was like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm good. I'm tired. I don't want to. Guys, when I tell you they were shook, like the lady's mouth literally opened. <laughs> like, excuse me? And I was just like, no, like, I'm good. Thanks. And they're like, maybe you'll change your mind. And I was like, I don't think so. No, I'm. this is called pure exhaustion. I'm done being told to always help other people. I'm done being told that everything that I do is wrong. I'm done being told that I need to always emulate Jesus Christ. Like, give me a break. Like, I'm good. I need some time to be angry and mad and negative. Okay. And sinful. I'd like to be sinful for just a little bit. <laughs> I'd been thinking critically now for like two years and recognizing my own exhaustion and recognizing that like following all these rules weren't making me as happy as the church was promising me. Now, again, if you're active and you're listening to this, I want to make it really clear. If the church works for you, if it makes you a better person, if it makes you happy, if you really are a more moral, honest, virtuous, whatever person, and that's what you want to be because of the church, I 100% support you. If it's really in your heart of hearts what you believe to be true, and it makes you genuinely happy, I support you. I am mature enough to recognize that while I do not believe what you believe, I can respect you. Even though I have been hurt by certain teachings, I can acknowledge that hurt and still like you as a person. 
still realize that this is something that has deep value in your life and respect you for it, okay? I want to make that very clear in this podcast. This is not a hate on Mormons podcast. There is a lot of religious trauma that comes with leaving the church. I didn't leave because of nothing. I left for very specific reasons. But if you are not having the same experience that I am, I can't project my experience onto you. So just want to make that clear. I respect and love a lot of people that still believe and are still in the church. But in my own experience, as I was reading the Book of Mormon, I noticed things that were like, what is this? And I started to say, if this part is made up, could all of it be made up? And I was told the narratives that like Satan would come try to get you and sow doubt into your mind and you'll never truly be happy outside the church and all of these things. Those genuinely scared me. I did not leave the church in the beginning because I thought those were true. So I just, I don't know. I think what I tried to be was a change maker from the inside out. I started saying things in Relief Society when it didn't sit right with me about what was being taught on Sunday school and in the talks that they asked me to do. I would text my mom and be like, I'm going to give this talk. And she's going to be like, I think you should take out this part. And I'm like, I'm good. (laughs) Oh, I love my mom. Mom, I love you. I'm sorry. Um, I had a lot of hope for the church at that point. I think I really thought it was going to change. That God was going to reveal unto Russ, hey, I actually said nothing about homosexuality in the original text of the Bible. I never said anything. Or he would say, did you know women are actually truly equal to men? And uh, all of this not making them equal thing is kind of making me mad. Or he would say, can you just chill for a minute, Russ? Because you're kind of putting a lot of pressure on everybody and stressing them out. You know, I really thought that God was like going to come down because like we're taught. Russ is in constant communication with Jesus, you know, like I was so hopeful. And then that didn't happen for some time. And so then I was frustrated. And so then I was like, you know what? Heavenly mother has to be the key. Once more is revealed about her, she's the person that's going to bring this unconditional love, this better equality, you know? And then April General Conference rolled around and mom got us tickets. And I'm so grateful she did. There had been rumors going around that there was going to be a talk about Heavenly Mother. And I used to have this concept of like allies and non-allies within the apostles. Um, I saw Elder Renlin as an ally. I saw Elder Uchtdorf as an ally. And I was wrong. <laughs> I don't get how people can read what he wrote and say that he did not say anything offensive. I don't get how people can read what he said and be like, oh, I still feel like I can talk to Heavenly Mother. He legitimately said like, we don't pray to her. He legitimately said like, we shouldn't seek revelation like that. Like he literally said those, like you can look it up. I, I could I could probably look it up and attach it here as like a source. Like It was very clear that they did not want us thinking about her, making assumptions about her, looking at a doctrine about her. Like, it was just like, it is what it is. And if God ever wants to reveal more, he will. 
And that just broke me. It was just like, I just saw it for what it was. You know, I was just like, okay, all right. You guys don't want her to be part of your doctrine. You don't even want to get too far into it because then you're going to have to start explaining like more than one heavenly mother. And um, anyway, really for me, it was just like, I think it's time to go. It's hurting. It's hurting too much. At the same time, super long story, not for this podcast, but I was talking to my stake president who was head of PR for the church. And he revealed, not like revealed like revelation, but revealed as in like, whoa, are you serious, dude? Things to me that the first presidency was aware of and like knew about and still continued to put out certain narratives and... To me, just authenticity is key. Authenticity is number one. And I did not feel that the church of my childhood was as authentic as I was taught it to be. And that was painful. It was really painful. And really sad. I had a couple friends that when I told them that I was leaving, they were like, oh, you're just doing it not to pay tithing. I'm like, bro, I could have still attended the church and not paid tithing. Wouldn't have gone to the temple. That's a whole different story. But like you can be a member of the church without paying your tithing technically. And they didn't seem to understand how real and how painful this was. It wasn't a decision that I made overnight. It was not a decision that I made easily. It was not a decision that I enjoyed making. Now that I'm out of it, super glad that I did it. A hundred percent worth it. And as I raise my child, a thousand bajillion percent worth it because I do not want to raise him with the same guilt and shame and toxic culture that I was raised with. Man, this is emotional. It's really hard for me to talk about. But this is why I wanted to make this podcast. is because it was so fucking hard. It was so hard to leave. And I had no idea where to start. I knew that I wanted to live life without garments. But where do you start? And then all of a sudden, those garments that were shapewear from my body are showing me, like, without them, I'm learning what my body actually looks like. And so I'm going through body positivity issues. <laughs> Is that a nice way to put it? And I'm trying to figure out how to wear shorts and how do you not get your thighs to chafe? Where do I buy underwear that's not at Costco? I Literally, the only underwear that Jimmy and I wore for a long time was Costco underwear. <laughs> Because it was easy to buy. And how do I go about trusting myself again when I really believed it? So now what is truth? You know, what does truth mean? And what do I want to teach Julius now that he doesn't have primary lessons and the children's songbook to learn from? He still knows once there was a snowman, though. Everyone, don't worry. Classic. It's just that navigation is why I am starting this podcast. So I'm going to interview, I'm trying to interview a couple of my close friends. I'm interviewing some people that I know. I'll just be talking, rambling. Hopefully you guys don't get sick of my voice in another episode or two. 
I just want to share real experiences of how people are navigating this, how people are doing this. Again, this is not a podcast to tell you why you should leave the church. That's not what this is, okay? But it is a podcast for those who have decided to leave for whatever reason, helping them learn how to live life not as a Mormon. What coffee would you like to try? Are you going to try alcohol? Why or why not? What kind of clothes do you want to wear? What do you want to do with the money that used to be your tithing? You know, like these are real questions and real issues. And I'm really excited to tackle them with you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Post Mo Podcast. Until next time, this is Audrey, your host.